Wildling Press presents How Do I Book? Welcome to How Do I Book by Wildling Press. We like to chat about book writing, book publishing, book marketing, and of course, book reading. We're trying to help new and experienced authors develop their craft, widen their perspectives, and learn to get a little wild every once in a while. I'm Christina. I'm Grace. I'm Mary Payton. And today we're here to talk about where do words come from? Mommy, where do words come from? (laughs) Well... When a word and a word love each other very much. Are you my words? <laughs> <laughs> Are you my linguistic root? <laughs> oh, you sound like a nerd. We're really, really lame. I would love to talk about etymology today. No, not the study of insects. That is entomology. So close. Made that mistake in 10th grade when my at the time boyfriend told me he wanted to be an entomologist and I said I know what that is (laughs) I did not know what that was (laughs) wow so sad and then he broke up well yeah (laughs) he's gay it's fine okay maybe you guys have heard the joke where someone is like hey that word's made up and it's like yeah all words are made up right (laughs) Christina you've said that to me (laughs) yeah they're all made up this is one of my linguistic soapboxes that I like to stand on is that Language is a shared art, and we are just making it up as we go. But the fact that we're making it up as we go doesn't mean that its path can't be traced, right? Mm -hmm. For the most part, path can be traced. That's how we know that English, and actually, I'm going to do a whole episode about this, but a spoiler alert, English is a Germanic language. We started as German, along with German and a couple other languages, and then, like, you can trace it all the way back to a language called Proto-Indo-European. Whoa. The proto means uh, we don't, it's, this is like a theoretical language that we have no evidence of. But, like, in, these all seem connected. There's this huge family tree of languages that are all connected by this, like, theoretical common ancestor, Proto-Indo-European, whatever. I'll do a whole other episode about that someday. But basically, you can trace a lot of words all the way back. And the most useful human words like person, food, house, love. You can trace those really far back because we've always had to talk about those words, right? Right. right. Things like NFT. (laughs) (laughs) Those you can trace back maybe at most like a decade. Hoverboard. Hoverboard. (laughs) (laughs) But with something like hoverboard or NFT, which stands for non-fungible Oh no, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so something like hoverboard. You can trace you can trace the root of the word hover and the root of the word board back farther than hoverboard. Right. Basically, you can look up where words come from and it's interesting. That's like the whole point of this episode is like I find etymology interesting and we're gonna do it together. Yeah, yeah. I wanna see that uh tree, that family tree that you're talking about. Well, I'm gonna write another episode about it now. I just decided. Great. <laughs> Uh, Because the history of English is so exciting. It was the boringest class I ever took, as in, like, the hardest textbook to read and, like, the most monotonous teacher. But I was enraptured. I was like, what? (laughs) 
You were so probably cool. I still like, have my textbooks. You're probably like the one. Well, maybe not the one student. Was it like a, it? Because it wouldn't have been a general. It was an advanced class. class. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> it was like a 400 level class. So you were all nerds. All nerds. So listen, Webster's Dictionary, aka the best dictionary, defines etymology as the history of a linguistic form interjection, which is sometimes a word, but sometimes it's like a suffix or a prefix, you know, shown by tracing its development since its earliest recorded occurrence in the language where it is found by tracing its transmission from one language to another, by analyzing it into its component parts, by identifying its cognates in other languages or by tracing it and its cognates to a common ancestral form in an ancestral language. I feel like I didn't need to read that because I said that in regular person talk where I said, Words go back far. Let's go see. Uh huh. <laughs> I think that this definition is just demonstrating that it is like complex. It's not always straightforward. And if you're researching etymologies, which is something that I do every day as like a fun, cool hobby I have, uh, sometimes there's interpretation. You know, sometimes it's like probably connected to this, might come from this, could come from this, though. We don't know. Might be cognate with this. A quick definition cognate. Do y'all know what that word means? Uh, no. I don't think I could, like, roll off a definition for you. Yeah. Okay, so there's, like, a noun form of the word cognate, but I use the word cognate to describe two words that have the same root. So, like, oh, my God, when you try to think of an example, your brain goes blank. Um, <laughs> okay, just give me a second. <laughs> stupid <laughs> you gotta leave all okay. this in here why am i so stupid two cognate <laughs> words <laughs> okay two words that are cognate uh allude and prelude those words are cognate because they both come from the same root ludere in latin they came from the same place they are cognate instead of cognate you could say related cognate okay so that's important context for researching etymology because you'll run into cognates a lot. They are cognate with each other. They are they are cognates to each other. It's an adjective or a noun. Another note, etymology, that's the study of words, the history of words. And etymology describes the history of one word in particular. Oh. Mm-hmm. A word's me? etymology. Exactly. Okay. And you do that in the study of etymology. Got it. So meta. I wrote this section in my notes that says, what's the value in etymology? And I answered myself, I don't know, trivia? (laughs) (laughs) That's important. Some of those, sometimes when you play trivia, it's for your whole bill at the bar. You know, you gotta, you gotta know. It's the kind of thing where you could live your entire life not understanding etymology at all and never investigating it at all. And a lot of people don't care about it. And that's completely fine. But if you are passionate about language and it interests you, this is an extremely fascinating field of study that will help you connect things to each other. That's why they like, you know how like in the olden days, parents would encourage their children to study Latin so that their kids would do better on the SATs. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's, that's because English words that are big enough to be found on the SATs are cognate with Latin language. Hmm. You feel? I feel. So there is value in it. Thank God I took all that Latin. Oh, God, no. I did actually take some Latin. You did? I did. I didn't know that. I thought you were joking. No, no. For real, for real. Oh, good for you. I know so many words. Say something in Latin then, Grace. (laughs) 
Um, et. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> She's not wrong. She's not wrong. Um, I took Spanish. It does the same thing because Spanish is a Latin language. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. So if you want to study etymology, I'm like saying study etymology, like you can take linguistics. I learned a lot about etymology from doing my history of English class when I was in college studying linguistics. These days when I quote study linguistics, I have a brain blast where I'm like, oh my God, Piedmont. Pied is Spanish for foot and Mont is French for mountain. It means foothill. It means foothill. Oh my God. And then I go to my little internet and I go to www.etimonline.com, etymonline.com, not a sponsor of the show, but they could be. Hey, I'm online. Hit me up. Looking at you. You will literally always hear me say etymy online because there's a Y somewhere in there and I mispronounce it and it sounds a little cuter. You know what I mean? It is etymy cuter. Online. I'm going to link that in the show notes. I'm going to link it in the, uh, the episode description on our website. You can take any word to etymonline.com and find out where it comes from or their best guess. If you're interested, I recommend the book Etymologicon by Mark Forsyth. It's like one of the coolest nonfiction books I've ever read. I'm not the biggest nonfiction person. Um, I do a lot of audio. This one I read with my eyeballs. Um, Etymologicon by Mark Forsyth is like a spiraling adventure through language history. God, I sounds so nerdy. I like can't. <laughs> There's no way to make this sound cool, but like, God, it's so fascinating. Uh, so I definitely recommend that book. I'm going to link to it in our episode notes as well. Since I've described to you what etymology is for the rest of the episode, we're just going to look up etymology of words. We're going to do a little demonstration. I'm so excited. I'm going to go to me online. I spell it wrong every time because I pronounce it like that. So I've asked each of you to bring a, any random book. I have... A series of unfortunate events, The Bad Beginning by Lemony Snicket, because they do that bit in these books where they define words. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I thought it would be cool. Um, do you, do either of you have like a notable book or did you just bring like a, some random book? I have one that I really like, but I'm only a few chapters in, so what hopefully it? it'll stay good. But it's Legendborn um, oh, nice. by Tracy Dion. And it's okay, like a fantasy yeah. YA series. Yeah. yeah. Grace, what do you got? Is it good? Um, yeah. Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Oh, nice. Yes. yes. <laughs> Never I heard of that. it. I don't what? know. What? Which one's that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be kind of funny. We can't do it now, but I thought it'd be kind of funny if we just like, if we didn't tell each other what books we brought. Oh, man. I okay, know. maybe we'll do a bonus episode one time and we'll get Mike on the show as well and we'll just do this. That for sounds fun. Minutes. Yeah. We and then we'll try to guess ep- each other's books. Yeah, we yeah. could even do an episode of just reading our favorite line from a book and... Or just a random Ooh. line from a book that we think would give it kind of away, but kind of not. Okay. I like that. Oh, my gosh. This is new. I, th- I've never seen this before. I go on edamonline.com every single day. They have a new Chrome extension. One click to search any word or phrase in Chrome. Okay, so I'm going to be installing that. That's that amazing. is cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's go. I'll start first because perhaps some of the words in Frankenstein will be uh, large and more complex. Yeah. I'm going to just open to a random page and pick a random word. Okay. I'm going to look up poison. I just saw this phrase poison berry. So I'm going to look up the word poison. And sometimes you'll see like several definitions, you know, poison verb, rat poison, noun, counterpoison, noun. But the first listing is poison, noun. That's what I'm going for. 
I'm going to paraphrase from Edim Online. I'm not reading directly because it's not really necessarily clear. It's not. It's like a dictionary definition. It's not like good for verbal reading. Right. So it starts with circa 1200. So that's like wow. the earliest recorded instance of this word. Poison, P-O-I-S-O-U-N, a deadly potion or substance, or figuratively, spiritually corrupting ideas or evil intentions. Remember back in the day, day, mm-hmm. like those things were really closely linked when we were working with the four humors and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that comes from Old French. And then it talks about later, 14th century, that meaning shifts to mean a magic potion, a poisonous drink, a poison. From the Latin potionum, potio, drink, a drink, poisonous drink, potare to drink. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't sound great. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, okay. And here's something. It says it's a doublet of potion. And I don't know what that means. Hmm. A doublet. doublet. I've never encountered that before. So let me just Google that. No, not like a, a pair of similar things. Two words with, of the same historical. Okay, so I think that word should be cognate, right? Doublet. Yeah, it sounds, yeah. Like, it sounds like it should be. I cognate. think so. Yeah. They. It's interesting that potion and poison developed to mean such similar things. Yeah. Cool, and it goes on, but you know, poison ivy, poison oak, poison gas. You can just keep going. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, where does this come from? And you're like, okay, I'm gonna Google this. Uh, I mean, etim this. All right, <laughs> Mary Payton, your turn. Random word. Okay, I'm gonna choose the word grumble. Ooh, good. That's a fun one. Thank Just, you. Yeah, exactly. Pick a word that makes you be like, oh, that's jazzy. Yeah. Okay. Grumble. It says 1580s to complain in a low voice. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, and 1590s make a low rumbling sound from the French grommelé, maybe. Grommelé. Uh, uh, to mutter between the teeth. Oh, I ooh, like that. Okay. Ooh, cool. yes. Because oh, that, that is what it is. Uh, book title between the teeth. Ooh. All right. No one steal is that. Is it erotica or <laughs> we don't is know. it a thriller? Could be anything. Grace, what do you got? Well, I'm sure we'll do more than one word each, but all of mine are like carnage, anguish. <laughs> <laughs> like pretty dark. Not surprising. <laughs> all right. We're going to go with carnage. <laughs> Ooh, dice. dice. Yeah. Okay. So noun. Great destruction by bloody violence. Massacre. 1600s from the French carnage, but in a French accent. Yeah, you'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> from old Italian carnaggio. Oh, my God. Is it cognate with carnation by any chance? <gasps> it doesn't say that. Okay, okay. But that would be like pretty... There is also a word for that that I don't remember when it seems like two words are cognate. Oh, and they're they're not. not. (laughs) Yeah. So like in medieval Latin, it meant flesh. Mm -hmm. Also slaughter of animals. Yeah. So what you'll see a lot is like the farther back you go, like the vaguer these words definitions are. Mm -hmm. And like the more contemporary you get in English, because we just keep adding more and more words from so many different languages, the more specific the meanings get. Yeah. So in English, though, it has always been used. Uh, wait, hold on. In English, it has been always used more often of the slaughter of men. Why does it? I read those words accurately and it sounds wrong. Yeah. That is in weird. English, it has 
been always used more often of the slaughter of men than beasts. Yeah, okay, makes sense. Sure. We wouldn't say it that we way. We wouldn't say it that way. Also, it says Southie, 1795, tried to make huh. a verb of it. Interesting. I don't know what that I means. I don't know what that means. Huh. But. Oh, well. That's fine. My turn. Oh, my God. I'm having flashbacks. Just like random pages from a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> I'm going to do standoffish. If you have read a series of unfortunate events, you will remember that this is one of those words that the book takes care to define. And this is where I learned the word standoffish. Hmm. From oh, a nice. Series of unfortunate events. Yep. Okay. Standoffish is. Oh. Actually, this is not remotely interesting. <laughs> it's from the verbal phrase stand off, hold aloof. Makes sense. Stand offish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and done. <laughs> Mary Payton, your turn. All right. Celebration. That's got Latin written all over it. Mm-hmm. Four syllables. You're joking me? <laughs> Get out of here. The slippery C sound. That's so Latin. 1520s. Honoring of a day or season by appropriate festivities. (laughs) (laughs) Must be appropriate. Seems like it's a little like, yeah, that's you're explaining too much. We get it. Um, (laughs) Formed in English from celebrate or else from Latin. Celebrate celebration. I don't know. Nominative Mm -hmm. celebratio. Mm -hmm. Numerous attendance. Like that. Oh, so it sounds like originally a celebration was like a group, uh, like a party, like a group. It's of like people. a group of people, yeah. Is uh, it cognate? <laughs> is it cognate with the word for one hundred, like century? Cent- I don't see in either in either of mine that I looked up. I don't see where they have cognate anywhere. It'll say, I think, sometimes. So as you can see, sometimes when you have a brain blast about things being cognate, you are wrong. Hmm. Grace, your turn. Okay, I've got a good one, I feel like. Okay. You'll be the judge of that. Uh-huh. Nightmare. Ooh. You really are reading Frankenstein. I, <laughs> it's carnage and nightmare. Okay, so in 1300, it meant an evil female spirit afflicting men or horses oh. in their sleep <laughs> with uh. a feeling of suffocation. <laughs> Wait, wow. yeah. Mare? Is it mare like horse? I guess well, so. yeah. I mean, that is so compounded from knight and mare. Um, okay, and then it says goblin that causes nightmares, incubus. The meaning shifted mid 16th century from the incubus to the suffocating sensation it causes. <gasps> so, like sleep mm. paralysis. Yeah. Um, the sense of like any old bad dream was first recorded, I guess it was first recorded in 1829 and then like a very distressing experience, like people being like that is a nightmare situation, I guess, (laughs) was, um, in 1831. Can you imagine them saying that back then? (laughs) That situation is a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it is cognate with, uh, middle Dutch nachtmare. German Noctmar. I don't know. <laughs> An old English word for it was okay, I can't say any of these things. Yeah, that's all right. It's fine. Old English is quite difficult. Yep. Yep. Cool. So I'm gonna do my last one. I've chosen the word glum. Ooh. Which because like I'm not joking when I say that it when it's one syllable, that's a Germanic word. Makes sense. Uh, it just 
Latin was not about the one syllables, except for et, as you mentioned earlier, Grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, glum. In the 1540s, it came to mean sullen, moody, frowning, duh. It's from the Middle English gloomin to become dark, circa 1300. Hmm. It's from or influenced by, unsure, the Low German, which English is a Low German language, glum, meaning gloomy, troubled, turbid. An 18th century extended colloquial form glump led to the expression <laughs> the glumps, a fit of sulkiness. Aww, I got the glumps. <laughs> we got the glumps. Also, there's glunch. Ew. A Scottish variant, like <laughs> like the Grinch and the Glunch. <laughs> All right, Mary Payton, your final word. Yeah, I have a good one. And I, uh, Christina, I want you to try and guess where this one came from first. Okay. Ooh. The word is goofy. Uh-huh. <gasps> that almost sounds like an onomatopoeia from something. Like that dog is goofy and he's making a sound that sounds like the word goofy. Hmm. Like I have no idea where goofy came from. I guess... It's like probably like the word goof. It's probably Germanic. That's what I got. Is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah, probably Germanic is my final answer. It's uh from 1921 from the Disney character <gasps> named Goofy. No. It said, oh my it God, said that he started it? But he started as being named Dippy Dog in 1929, but I don't and understand Dippy, then Dippy how it Dippy kind of means like dodo right like dip yeah dippy like mm-hmm. no dip <laughs> but that's Wait, all it has in what here. did you just say Grace? <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that real people say that no no dip i, I don't know that. I i'm uh, no <laughs> i'm googling stuff might as well <laughs> i've heard like no yeah dip, like, like no, no dip difference. sherlock oh. oh dip and well and then there's dip shit we're not supposed to yeah say we don't on say podcast, that though but we i'm gonna leave it in though because we're talking linguistics <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, no dip Sherlock. That's what I was... That's very interesting. Like, that is a cool etymological discovery that the word goofy started with the character. Wow. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. That's pretty iconic. Yeah. Grace, your final answer? I mean, your final etymology? I was going to try to pick, like, like a nicer word, but I guess we're going with sorrow. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Mary Shelley, jeez. I know. That's probably a good one. I have no idea where that comes from. Old English, sorg. Grief, regret, trouble, care, pain, anxiety from Proto-Germanic, zorg. That proto means like in theory. That proto means like this is where it looks like language once was, but we don't actually have any evidence. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like it also kind of meant like sickness. Okay. What does it mean when it says, okay, so this says, Perhaps from PI, P-I-E, in all caps. Proto-Indo-European. Oh, you know what? You're completely right. Yeah. There you go. You're so smart. Thank you. My linguistics degree is good for so little. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, sorrow means you're like down with the sickness. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it says right here, not connected etymologically with sore or sorry. That is so freaking cool. That's wild. So this has been fun. I think we will do a bonus episode. Maybe I'll reread that book, The Etymologicon, because that had some real brain blasters in it. Etymology is really interesting. It can be useful. I didn't mention this at the beginning because I kind of forgot about it. But like I sometimes look up etymology. If I, Do you guys ever be like talking and you're like, oh, God, is that word racist? It sounds racist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I recently did that with the word kooky. 
I was like, that just sounds like a word that would be racist. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Looked up the etymology. It's just literally not racist. So that's a cool use of etymology. Oh, great. Basically, you can speak English. You can do it your whole life and not understand where it came from. But you will understand what you're saying better, where you came from better, if you engage a little bit with the history and start investigating some etymology about words that you're interested in. And that's how you book. This episode was written and edited by me, Christina Kahn. Our logo was designed by Michael Hardison. Our theme music was produced by Jason Hilton. Please check out the show notes for a link to the accompanying blog post and visit us online at Wildling Press on social media or at www.wildlingpress.com.